Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. There are so many ways to heal the world, but many of us shrink from the healing of the world that comes from pain or from traveling side by side with those wading through pain and darkness. Today's Spirit in Action guest is inviting us to travel along with just that. Kevin McMullen is widely known in my neck of the woods as a vibrant, smiling, ponytailed, exuberant fiddler of the band called Duck for the Oyster. At least he was until a brain tumor changed the course of his life. Kevin has produced a one-man play which allows the audience to companion him on this journey. The play is called Into the Black Sea, Stories of Darkness and Light, and a chance to see it is coming up this month in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and there will be opportunities elsewhere to see it as well. It will be performed by Kevin McMullen in Eau Claire on Saturday, September 21st at 7 p.m., held at the Unitarian Universalist Building on South Farwell Street. I'll link to the details on northernspiritradio.org. Right now, I have Kevin McMullen here in person for today's show. Kevin, what a delight to have you back on Northern Spirit Radio, this time for Spirit in Action. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's a delight to have you here, but I guess, you know, there's been some contrary news over the past six, seven years that leads to this interview. At this point, how are you feeling? I have good days and bad days. I have ups and downs. I think that I'm at the point where I'm learning to play the hand that I've been dealt. When I had you here last time, you were here for Song of the Soul, and I got to know you, I think, specifically with Duck for the Oyster. I think that's maybe the first time I actually met you, is when the band was playing. So I've always associated you with music. And in 2015, when you started noticing the hearing loss, is this right directly at that point starting to affect Duck for the Oyster? Yeah, that had a big impact on Duck for the Oyster. The band was effectively over at that point. Which is crazy. And, and your life as a musician, an intuitive, uh, a consummate musician is how I would describe you. Well, thank I mean. you. And yet, all of a sudden, this hearing and some other factors start affecting that. And you don't know what you have yet at that point, right? You, you're three years into it. Right. I started feeling, you know, I mean, the, the symptoms got markedly worse in October of 2015. And I didn't get a diagnosis until January of 2016. So during that time, I was, this is the big question mark, what's going on? And the real reason I have you here today for Spirit in Action is to share the story of what it's like to be sick, to how you cope with that in life, what you go forward into. And you tell this in your, what's it called, a one-man play? Uh, what's it called? These well, days? yeah, I guess I'm calling it a one-man show. The title of the show is Into the Black Sea, Stories of Darkness and Light. 
you're doing this show around a number of places, but in Eau Claire, where we happen to be, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for those of you listening out in Massachusetts or California, Oregon or Houston, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, on September 21st at the Unitarian Universalist congregation here, you're going to be performing. How long is the performance? Um, it's two sets, so it's uh, 7.30 to 10 is what I'm telling people with, a, with an intermission in between. And it's storytelling, it's a bit of music in there, and what should people come away from that performance knowing, feeling, being? Uh, what I think people, I hope, will come away from the performance with a sense of connection with other people, a sense of being able to face the difficult bits in their life, and we all have them, with a little less loneliness and a little bit more encouragement. You know, in, in the process of doing all of that, I think there's, you know, some entertainment involved. There's some certainly poignant moments. That's what I'm hoping for. And just so all of you listeners know, there's a special opportunity on today's Spirit in Action show. We have two free tickets. You just need to contact me. The first people to contact me will get two free admissions to Into the Black Sea with performance by Kevin McMullen, who's here today for Spirit in Action. Just come to NordenSpiritRadio.org. You'll find my email. You can email me there. You might get to me first if you call my phone number. You can find that there as well. So please reach out to me and get two free tickets. And then on September 21st in Eau Claire, you can be part of an extravaganza of both light and dark. And that's really important, I think, Kevin, that it's it's not all about darkness, it's not about light. How do you make light out of something that feels so dark? I think I would rephrase the question, really the question that I've been working on myself personally and that led to the creation of this this show is, how do I make meaning out of something that's been so dark? You know, I think people do ask the question of, how do I bring light into darkness? There's something about the darkness itself without the light that is seductive to us in all different kinds of ways. I was aware of that at my mom's hospice bed. I was aware of it as I watched my dad die shortly after my surgery. That there's a way that both darkness and life draw us out of ourselves. So I was I was really intrigued with exploring that. And I think that there's a way in which we bring, after going through a dark experience like that, we bring actually some darkness with us back into the light. And that in doing that, it makes us more human and it connects us to each other. Because we all go through dark stuff. It's one of the things that we all have in common. And in sharing that, I heard a, a theologian from Northland College, whose name I, I've, I'm not at the tip of my tongue, say it's not about crawling under a rock together. It's about lifting the rock up together. In sharing our dark experiences, we find a connection with each other. The purpose for Northern Spirit Radio, and this is the purpose that our board crafted as we were forming the board of directors, was that we promote world healing by broadcasting inspirational and educational voices for peace and social justice. And there is the world healing that, in your case, there's personal medical healing, but the important light and darkness, it strikes me, is really a world healing issue. It is. I think that there are lots of ways that we are unwilling to walk through darkness, partly because we've crafted it as a lonely experience. 
and partly because it's just hard. It's hard to go to dark places. They're not familiar to us. This is one of the things that I've had several conversations. You know, we, we have this idea that if we work hard enough or if we're basically good people or in some circles, if you pray hard enough or well enough or if you believe that it's going to work out for you. And then when it doesn't, we're inclined to attribute to ourselves like some kind of character flaw or, or spiritual flaw you know, that caused this breakdown. And we're kind of gobsmacked, you know, not just by the, the thing that just impacted our lives, but by this other meaning that we've put on top of it. You know, what's wrong with me? I should, this shouldn't be happening to me. You know, I know that I dealt with that a lot. It's not fair. <laughs> and I think that if we become a little bit more familiar with the ways that darkness is in all of our lives, we're maybe a little bit less gobsmacked when it happens to us. I saw some reference somewhere that you actually, at least for part of your life, grew up in the projects down in Chicago. That's and right. Most people, I think when we, you know, projects, we think, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that, because I maybe this is part of the frame that leads up to gobsmacking. Well, I don't know if it is or not. My dad was a minister. What flavor? Well, a disciple of Christ, so not too far from Congregationalist. But he was a minister down in Arkansas, in Little Rock, in 1956, which is where I was born. And come 57, this is uh, Faubus is governor, and, you know, the whole National Guard thing. And my dad's views on racial issues were not common currency down in, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And actually, family began to get death threats because he was teaching Sunday school, and they didn't like what he was saying. <laughs> So he left that church and was offered a pulpit at a church in an all-white church, but that was in an area that was rapidly becoming all-black. And so we moved into the housing projects out on the west side of Chicago, which was right next to the church. And he was minister there, and his mandate was to integrate the church. So, you know, while he was the minister, the first black woman ever to walk into that church did so. And eventually, he was fighting the tide of history, I mean... The church became all black. At that point, it was decided that the church should have a black minister, and my dad was out of a job. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's known as success. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not sure he looked at it that way back then. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up in a community that was definitely struggling with tough times. People who were having issues about community and family and staying together and all of that. So he was disciples of Christ, at least at a certain point, and that continued on for him, I assume? Yeah, he was actually had started in the church working on housing issues and, of course, living in, in public housing that was a natural sequitur. And he ended up getting a job at CHA and then eventually with HUD. But throughout all of that, he continued to do interim preaching. So we bounced around to a whole bunch of different churches during those years. He eventually found his way spiritually, moving more towards Eastern thought. Buddhism, Krishnamurti, the uh, Aveda, Aveda, I think it's the Aveda movement. So, you know, that's kind of the direction he ended up going. And he stopped preaching. And what we're really here to talk about is Kevin McMullen's experience, which he shares as a one-person show into the Black Sea, Stories of Darkness and Light. And so I'm trying to explore with you a little bit, Kevin, part of the grounding out of which 
your perception of light and dark and your experience of it comes. And so one of the things I'm wondering about is, did you learn to pray? And, you know, with your father diverging from the regular Western Christian, you know, you pray for this, you get intercessory prayer, and therefore you get your answers to all your requests. They're all delivered to your doorstep. With his move towards Eastern religion, which takes a whole different approach to our connection to the bigger universe, what did that mean in terms of your life? You know, I don't think that Christianity ever really landed for me. For my parents, what really landed was they were all about the social gospel and what Jesus meant in terms of the inequalities of our society and the poor, specifically. And that's what my dad was about, you know. It was, it was about a service to the people around us. It wasn't about praying to God for a nicer house or, or whatever. So in terms of prayer, I think that sometime in my young adult years, I was looking around for, like, intentional communities. And I went to a presentation by one, I think of their name, they were called, like, Two Rainbows or something like that. Something you would expect from you know, late, <laughs> late 60s, early 70s. But this guy, you know, he was recognizing that intentional communities tend to survive when there's a spiritual grounding to them. But they were, they were having trouble in their community coming to a unified spiritual understanding because everybody's coming from so many different places. And he said, so what we came to was we accepted that there is something out there that's greater than us, some intelligence you can call it God, you can call it the laws of physics, you can call it, you know, Allah, you can call it... Higher powers. Higher powers, whatever you want. But it's, you know, we, we can all agree that it's, there's something there. And, and given that there is something there, it's probably a good idea to be in touch with it. And so then he outlined, you know, prayer and meditation. And by his definition, prayer was speaking to this power, and meditation was listening and in their group, they had lots and lots of ways to do both of those things. I think that's probably been the most cogent, for me, definition of what prayer and, and meditation is. And, and I think that a lot of my prayer comes in the expression of performing. You know, it used to be music, and now it, it definitely feels like storytelling. This is me expressing myself to the universe, trying to make sense of what this world is all about, which I think is sort of fundamentally what spirituality is. That makes sense to me, too. And I, I like that description. You know, prayer is talking to the big, the other, yeah. the reaching out, and that meditation is the listening to it. Of course, since you know I'm Quaker, I do that. Of course, that's the way it, that's of course what I will do. And I don't have to have a particular picture of what the big other is. Yeah. And so did you, you said music for you was kind of how you did a lot of that interaction. I think so. I think it was. And I don't, I mean, I look back on it now and I feel like, wow, I really didn't know what I was doing. I should, <laughs> I should have done that better. <laughs> you know, with music. And I feel like in some ways, the experience that I've had is giving me a, a new approach to how I'm going to pray, I guess. And you'll get a lot more insights into it if you go to Kevin McMullen's performance of Into the Black Seed, Stories of Darkness and Light. You can go to kevinmcmullen.com and find out more information about how to connect up with this. But specifically, I'm talking with him today because we both happen to be physically in Eau Claire, Wisconsin at this point. And on September 21st, he's going to be performing his one-person show at the UU Congregation here in Eau Claire. 
And we have a special offer today. Kevin has gifted me with two free admissions here, two tickets to get into into the Black Sea. And if you're the first one to contact me, you can get those. Now, if you're listening to us out in Houston or Massachusetts, you can contact us. And it's possible that I'll even provide bed and breakfast for you if you come to (laughs) Eau Claire. There's a deal. And I'm thinking of my friends in Lopez Island out in Washington State that maybe someone wants to come. Uh, You could stay in the Dragon Room here at the Helps Meet Residence. And you can see a wonderful performance by a wonderful talent talented storyteller and musician. It occurs to me, Kevin, that we haven't talked at all really about the specifics of what happened with you. Your hearing issues, we mentioned that, but kind of in the short form, would you say what happened to you and medically the consequences for you? Yeah, what I got was an acoustic neuroma, or sometimes it's called a vestibular schwannoma, which is a, a benign brain tumor. What the doctors say is, if you're going to have a brain tumor, this is the very best kind to get. It's non-cancerous, and they removed it with surgery. But the surgery uh, left me with deafness in my right ear. My right ear is completely deaf. And I have pretty pronounced tinnitus in, ironically, the deaf ear. On top of that is some ongoing issues with dizziness and, and balance, and then there's fatigue issues as well. So that's kind of the the nutshell of it. And since really your avocation, your passion that you shared in January of 2009 on Song of the Soul is music, this is what might be an ancillary effect for some people was very directly affecting the major flow of your life. Yeah, it pretty much pulled the rug out from under just about everything I was doing. I would like to hear more from you, Kevin, about your experience with prayer. Were you a praying person at the time? I would normally think you'd pray with a song. <laughs> you know, yeah. Kumbaya is a prayer, right? Come by yeah. here, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Was it, who was that uh, Catholic theologian that was so radical with the beat guys? Anyway, he was listening to a jazz concert. I think it was McCoy Tyner. And as he was listening, he just smiled and said, man, that's prayer. And I, I, I think that in a way, that's what prayer is. I'm going to take a little side trip here. You know, I've got my own complex notions of that higher power, and I don't like the idea of giving it labels just because it seems so limiting, <laughs> you know, to even put a name on it. But uh, I note that avowed atheists are confronted with a, with a kind of a paradox. You know, they can say, well, there's no scientific evidence to showing that there's God. But unfortunately, there is scientific evidence showing that you live longer if you believe that there is God. <laughs> and there's also some scientific evidence that shows that prayer actually has some effect. And that when people pray for you, that there's some benefit to that. So I've always been kind of a pragmatist. You know, if, if it works... <laughs> Go ahead and do it. You know why? Why would you not avail yourself of that? I mean, if you are thinking about the nature of some divine being, and why would an all-loving spirit not, you know, jump in and help you with with or without your asking? That's. Uh, I think that's one of those questions that begins to open the door into into some kind of dark places. They're tough questions to ask. I asked them. And I'm sure you ask them a lot in your one-man show, Into the Black Sea, Stories of Darkness and Light. 
We are speaking today for Spirit in Action with Kevin McMullen. His website, kevinmcmullen.com. You can't spell that. Just come to northernspiritradio.org. I'll have a link there. And you can also find my phone number, my email, and you can contact me right away. First person to do that has the option of two free admissions to Into the Black Sea, performed on September 21st, 2019 in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Contact me right away. First come, first serve. And, of course, other people can come pay. You can find information about that at the UU Eau Claire website and also via kevinmcmullen.com. Also on the nordenspiritradio.org website, you can find all of our guests for both Spirit and Action Song of the Soul back to 2005. That's 14 years of music and world-healing people that we've been interviewing you can listen, download, you can find the stations across the nation, the 40-some stations that carry our programs, and there's a place to post comments. Please do post a comment on our website when you visit. You can rate our programs. There's also a donate button. This is full-time work, and it's supported only by you. It's so important to realize that at this point in the U.S., 90% of our media is owned by just six corporations. So when you want to get a larger picture, you have to go somewhere beyond the media. Your local community radio station is an excellent resource for that. I recommend that you support them with your hands and your wallet. It's so important to provide that extra source of music, of insight, of community sensibilities, all of that. And then if you have some more money, if you click on the donate button on NorthernSpiritRadio.org, you can help support our programming. Again, Kevin McMullen is here, his show that's happening all around now. And actually, how widely are you performing this? You talked about the fact that you do get exhausted and that there's still the aftermath of this brain tumor that means you can get worn out more easily than you used to be. I know you as a dynamo with a ponytail. (laughs) Yeah, the dynamo and ponytail are both gone. I'm still working that out. So much of recovery for me has been, you know, figuring out where I'm going to land. At what point do I say, okay, this is this is as recovered as I'm going to get. That's just what I've got to deal with. So I've, I'm scheduling the performances widely. Uh, right now I'm starting off with, you know, one a month is sort of my max. And I'll see where it goes from there. But actually, I've had, interestingly enough, I mean, the performance I'm doing at the Unitarian Church is actually a concert kind of thing. They, UU, I gather, has had a history of bringing artists to Eau Claire, and, you know, they've been a big part of the arts and culture in the Eau Claire area. But I've actually had a couple of churches call me up, not for concerts, but actually to do church services, because several people come to me and say, this is a pretty spiritual presentation that, that you're doing. It's not what I set out to do, but that's sort of what came out. You were talking a little bit earlier, Kevin, about your experience with prayer, your pragmatic yeah. part of it. When I mentioned about, you know, is intercessory prayer evil? One of the issues, and certainly if you read the book of Job, mm. you yeah. know, the people come to Job. Job's suffering in so many ways. He loses his family, his kids, his property, his animals, everything. He's got boils all over his body. And his friends come to him and say, well, you know, it's your fault, right? That's one of the things that he Uh. gets lectured on. I'm assuming nobody was daft enough to come and say that to you. That it was my fault? (laughs) Your fault. Maybe it's because uh, you 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 
didn't eat organic enough, or maybe it's because too much rock music causes uh, brain tumors, or that somehow you should have done something about it. I Certainly, I would have tended, I know you went first to see doctors in 2012, and it's not until you said January of 2016 that they actually had a diagnosis and could do something about it. If they'd done something three years earlier, right. let's blame them, right? Well... <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, looking back, I'm not sure that an earlier diagnosis would have resulted in much of a different outcome. There are three approaches to the vestibular schwannomas. One is kind of wait and see. The other is surgery by microsurgery, or the other is radiation. And I think that if, if it had been caught earlier, probably I would have opted for the wait and see option just because it was not impacting my life in any severe way, certainly not enough to risk brain surgery. And I I don't think that any of the decisions that I've made since then would have been changed by an earlier diagnosis, except that it would have meant that I had less anxiety about what was going on. And that's no small thing. I mean, the first feeling that my wife and I had when we got the diagnosis, you know, you have a brain tumor, was relief because we knew what was going on. And before it was just this big, black, threatening blob. Now I had something that I could identify. And so knowing earlier, that would have been a lot. But I don't think that it would have changed the outcome much. Your one-man show is called Into the Black Sea, Stories of Darkness and Light. You said there was some relief when you got diagnosed. And I guess that's a form of light. What kinds of things are you referring to when you talk about darkness and light? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, that's kind of the crux of a lot of spiritual issues. What is that? I think that there's a way that we look at darkness as something destructive, something that can destroy us, and it often does. And light is something that sort of lifts us up and strengthens us and connects us. There are ways also that darkness can be strengthening and connecting, and we just fail to use those opportunities. And that's in part what this show's about. I've heard it referred to that you could have the darkness, which is the darkness of the tomb, but you could also have the darkness of the womb, which is just what you get before birth. And many plants will not grow unless the seeds have the time in the darkness to do their germination. They're they're starting things, and then they shoot their roots off, and then they can grab and carry in the light. Is it your sense now for you that things have changed so that now Kevin McMullen has more light receptors? Well, I definitely have more light receptors. And part of that is going through this, I was just so stunned at the outpouring of support that my friends in my community brought out. That was, that as much as anything else also pulled the rug out from under me. And it made me look at the ways that people have been loving me all along, and I haven't really been seeing it or appreciating it. I think that was a big part of the light receptor increase that you're talking about, being able to see that. And, you know, I mean, that that was sort of, in an angular way, a result of the darkness, because the outpouring came as a result of the darkness. Sometimes you don't know which way is up until you've been down far enough. (laughs) 
it's it's true it's, yeah it's there and actually i had my own experience my experience with darkness has more often happened because of relationship issues that's where i tend to be the most vulnerable and at one particularly bad point of it it was getting into december and the phrase that came to me was from the Gospel of John, right in the first chapter. It says, you know, the light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. I felt myself in emotional darkness at that point, but then had that message of hope. that mm -hmm. Light doesn't disappear because I'm in darkness. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up feeling grateful for the light in that darkness, because it's when it's completely dark, even the slightest sliver of light looks really bright. Yeah. But I don't know if that's your experience. My experience was, I think, more like the womb analogy, that there's a way that reaching rock bottom when you've got nothing can be nourishing in an awful, horrible, and yet beautiful kind of way. It's not in a way that it's anything that I would want to actually seek out. It's in many ways, I think, even hard to be grateful for. I wouldn't, you know, if somebody said to me now, would you choose to have this, you know, if you <laughs> yeah, went through right. the... Yeah, right. It, you know, it's like, no, thank you. Uh, but I have to say thank you now that I've had it. <laughs> well, in a way, yeah. That, that's um, my experience. Yeah, it's, um, you know, who I am right now has been molded and, and crafted so much by that experience that in saying, you know, that I would I reject it utterly would be to reject who I am at this moment, at this point. And that's that's pretty hard to do. So it's it's a I think there's a real paradoxical little dance of both and, you know, that we end up doing. And that's why I say these are stories of darkness and light. It's not that there are dark stories and there are light stories. It's that these stories, that they come together, that you don't have one without the other. They, they don't exist. It's the old Taoist wisdom. Yeah, a lot of people don't seem to realize that, that if everything was perfect all the time, it wouldn't look perfect because it's just what's normal, right? <laughs> Going down gives you a sense of up, and being wet gives you a sense of dry, and being cold gives you a sense of warm. All of those things are true. So lightness and dark go yeah. together. Yeah, you know, I think a friend of mine put it really well. I mean, she's just sort of an offhand thing. I think I may maybe mentioned this to you when we talked earlier. I, I wrote a, one of the things that I have in my blog was the observation that we often go to hear people like Ram Das or the Dalai Lama with our ears open to hear wisdom and and we're often, you know, rewarded by hearing something really wise. But I think if we had our ears open all the time, you know, we would hear wisdom coming from other places as well. So I'm calling that the wisdom of the Daily Lama. And this particular Daily Lama, my friend Lori said to me, sort of in an offhand way, life is magic, and magic doesn't always feel good. And I think that's sort of what I'm getting to, is that even in the dark bits there is still a magic and an awe about it all that's there to be experienced and worth experiencing as long as you're there. You mentioned your blog. How often do you add to your blog? And if people go to kevinmcmullen.com and want to access your blog, do they have to come back every five minutes because you posted something? <laughs> every five months would be more <laughs> like it. I'm very sporadic. Sometimes I'll post things you know, in rapid succession, and other times it'll be months before I get to it. 
But I'm trying to collect all of those things. And yes, you can see some of what I've written on, on my website there, as well as a, a little video trailer about the show. So those are both on my website. But I'm trying to collect the written stuff that I've done into a companion to the show, a book called uh, Into the Black Sea, Stories of Darkness and Light. I'm very aware when we got the diagnosis of Sandra's cancer, and you know, I know the fear and I also observed by with her, and I certainly felt it in myself, being shaken out of my normal, invulnerable path led me to a much greater spiritual appreciation of all of the world. I'm amazed how much gratitude I experienced in the period of feeling so daunted and scared at the same time. And of course it affects me and Sandra, given how closely our marriage, how spiritually united we are, how, how one we are. I can't imagine that it didn't have a major effect on the whole experience between you and Karen. Oh, this was very it was very difficult for both of us in different ways because of course my experience was as the guy going through the medical stuff and her experience was as a caretaker trying to handle not only what I was going through but also our life, you know, the day-to-day stuff. So we had three years where she's kind of managing stuff on her own in the household, and that's just very challenging. In some ways, I think that the role of the caretaker is more difficult than the person going through it. So yeah, it was, I think, a very challenging time for both Karen and I. And like a lot of challenging things, it offered opportunities for us to, I think, grow closer Um, which I think we have. How would you describe the spiritual path that you traveled together? I mean, Sandra and I had some very intentional spiritual stuff that was part of being in that place. I know that music has been a part of your shared thing. I, I always loved watching with Duck for the Oyster as she would be calling, leading the dances with her consummate skill, while you, with your consummate skill on fiddle or violin or whatever that thing is called, and, <laughs> and the other instruments, uh, guitar and so on, it felt to me like there was a dance that you two did together. It looked to me like it'd be a, it, I have very wide ideas of what spirituality is, a spiritual dance. You referred to the pragmatic issues of dealing with your illness, your brain tumor. What about the spiritual dance that you did in that period? Well, I mean, it was, in a word, devastating. I can say that my favorite thing to do as a musician was play those dances. That was the most rewarding, most spiritual, if you want to call it that, musical expression I could come up with. And the fact that Karen and I were doing that together, not just with the idea of doing it at an individual dance, but that there was a broader vision of the band going into different communities and connecting people in really concrete, physical, as well as psychological and spiritual ways. That was so much a part of our life. And then to have that disappear was definitely one of the most challenging bits about what we went through as a couple. There's no doubt about it. So if that spiritual piece of your relationship can't happen anymore because you can't make music like you did back then, what fills that spiritual void? That's a really good question. We're still working on that. You know, in some ways, it's not a question that you ever really answer. It's a question that you answer every day 
when you get up. It's it's a part of being married, I guess. You know, it's, <laughs> tell you, me about that. Yeah. One. <laughs> um, you know, and being married is not. A, you know, oh, I decided to get married yesterday. It's you know, you get up in the morning. I'm I'm going to be married today, and and tomorrow you'd make the same decision. You know, I think that that's the way we're approaching this. It's how will we fill that void? We haven't come up with the answer, but we are answering the question every day as we move on. Well, music is and was still an important part of who Kevin McMullen is, and I'd like to share some of it, some samples maybe. Again, back in 2009, I had you as my guest for Song of the Soul, and you shared both some of your music and some music that other people have, and I thank you for this previously, but I want to do it on air before all the witnesses. (laughs) You are the person who introduced me to Dave Carter's song, Gentle Arms of Eden, and for that reason, alone you are blessed amongst the <laughs> elite it's I a wonder just, it's a wonderful song and you were the channel that brought it to me so i thank you for that i know that i've had the privilege of sharing with you because i've been a big folk dancer and so i carnivalito and some other dances that you recorded as part of duck for the oyster they're on those recordings and, and folks those recordings are still available they are on my website yes and so get duck for the oyster music when you go to kevinmcmullen.com the link on NorthernSpiritRadio.org. But I'd like to share some of the music that you weave into your telling of Into the Black Sea, Stories of Light of Darkness. What can we share? And give me some idea of the role of music. Storytelling is what you said it's mainly about, but what's the role of music in this show? The role of music is kind of condimentary, and I think of it as sort of a processing aid, my attitude or my the way I look at how I use music is really different now. And I, I think of questions like, what purpose is the music serving when I do this here? And I, that was less of a question I, for me earlier. I think I was more content to let music be entertaining, and then that was enough. And that's a perfectly great reason for, for music to be. But I'm more interested in seeing how music serves the message, or maybe the prayer, I guess, that I'm trying to deliver. How much music is there in the show out of the, you know, what is it, two and a half hours of the performance? Well, it's, it's probably closer to two hours or maybe a little less with the break. But, yeah, there's, I'd say, three or four songs that I play with guitar, and then I have a viola and a violin that I play some music on as well. And what would you care to share right now? This is sort of a description of what I went through in a, in a nutshell, and it's really the first song that I wrote. I put what wrote in quotes because it's a, it's a knockoff after the surgery. Okay, let's listen to Kevin McMullen for today's Spirit in Action program share a little bit of his music about the transformation in his life that I shared as part of Into the Black Sea, Stories of Light and Darkness. My brain has a tumor, dear doctor, dear doctor. My brain has a tumor, dear doctor, a tumor. Well, fix it then, patient, dear patient, dear patient. Well, fix it then, patient, dear patient, fix it. With what shall I fix it, dear doctor, dear doctor? With what shall I fix it, dear doctor, with what? With a neurosurgeon, dear patient, dear patient, dear patient. With a neurosurgeon, dear patient, dear patient, a neurosurgeon. There's none in my provider network, dear doctor, dear doctor. 
There's none in my provider network, dear doctor, there's none. Call your insurance company, patient, dear patient, dear patient. Call your insurance company, patient, dear patient, your insurance company. They gave me a list of four to choose from, dear doctor, dear doctor. A list of four to choose from, dear doctor, a four. Then pick one, dear patient, dear patient, dear patient. Then pick one, dear patient, dear patient, pick one. But how will I pick one, dear doctor, dear doctor? But how will I pick one, dear doctor, but how? Online research, dear patient, dear patient, dear patient. Online research, dear patient, dear patient. Online research. But how will I assess the data, dear doctor, dear doctor? But how will I assess the data, dear doctor? But how? Use your brain, dear patient, dear patient, dear patient. Use your brain, dear patient, dear patient, your brain. But my brain has a tumor, dear doctor, dear doctor. My brain has a tumor, dear doctor, a tumor. That's a wonderful version by Kevin McMullen of the traditional song is Dear Liza, There's a Hole in My Bucket, and yours is Dear Doctor, and just how dear is your doctor to you <laughs> and your insurance company and yeah. all of Oh, my goodness. I, yeah. You sing it with lightness in your voice, but I can only imagine the frustration and anger and the desperation that soften was there. Well, you know, my experience has been that almost universally the people that I encounter in the medical system are wonderful, good-hearted, well-meaning people. And it's the connections between the institutions particularly that, you know, is where things fall down. There's a failure to communicate or connect between the insurance company and a clinic or between one clinic and another clinic or between one department and another department or between a doctor and a nurse. That's where... Inevitably, things get tricky. Well, that's a bit of light out of darkness, as in To the Black Sea, stories of darkness and light. And that's part of your performance. And again, folks, there's going to be a performance of Kevin McMullen's His One Man Show here in Eau Claire at the UU Congregation on September 21st. And I have two tickets that Kevin has donated that if you're the first one to contact me, come by NorthernSpiritRadio.org. You'll see my email. I'll see the timestamp on it. The first ones here can have these two tickets. So please do reach out right away. Again, that's one song that you share, Kevin. There's, you said, at least three or four on guitar. And then you also, but you're also playing the other stringed instruments that you play that used to be your mainstay. Right. Yeah. Those are used, I think, mostly, well, it's actually part of a story. It's an integral part of a story. But I'm using the music as a way to kind of enter into the stories. So one of the songs that I sing is The Fellow That Looked Like Me, which sort of brings up issues of identity. And that was huge for me, thinking about who I was. So I, I sing that song, and then I kind of, as a light entry point into maybe some more serious thought. One of the things that anybody who knew Kevin McMullen back in the day of Duck for the Oyster was your lustrous hair and your ponytail and all of that. And now you've got a more sleek, less air resistance approach to Mr. things. Mr. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Clean. 
Is that part of the identity yeah, thing, well, that's, too? That's I mean, a bit of it, you know, is how I look. I mean, certainly I've had people who know me well, I mean, but who I haven't seen in, say, in a couple of years. Give me completely blank stares when I, you know, well, I'll greet them and they won't know who I am. You don't have the facial hair either, which I, I miss. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely part of the Kevin McMullen look. Right. And so you just thought, you know, might as well get rid of all the hair? Well, the head hair, I shaved my head in preparation for the surgery. And then they implanted this, it's called a Baja, it's a bone anchored hearing aid in the side of my skull. It turns out that doesn't work very well with a lot of hair around. So rather than just like trim one side, I've sort of just gone for the, the whole shebang and gotten rid of all the hair. And it's easier to put on and then I don't get feedback when I use it. And the facial hair, I don't know. I, partly it's, you know, as long as I'm doing it, I might as well go whole hog. A country boy would say whole hog, yeah, right? <laughs> That's part of it. So issues of appearance, the one who looked like me and recognizing yourself and your identity, not just your outward, but your inward. The musical master, Kevin McMullen, and light and dark in that whole appearance. So you said there was a, a song, The right. Fellow That Looked Like Me? Yeah, it's a song I picked up from the Volo Bog Trotters. I've always enjoyed the song, but in this particular case, I think it lends a little bit of poignancy to my show. Actually, let's have two pieces of poignancy together now. First, the song, The Feller That Looked Like Me, and then Kevin McMullen will go straight into one of the spoken word pieces he shares in his one-man show called Into the Black Sea Stories of Darkness and Light. Tonight in grief I wander into this world of woe while in my pain I ponder what to do, I don't know. A cruel fate upon me frowns, the trouble seems to be. There is a feller in this town, and he looks just like me. Wouldn't I love to catch him wherever he may be? Oh, wouldn't I burst his pumpkin head, that feller that looks like me? Last week I went to see a girl to take her into town When a woman tapped me on the shoulder asking how's your wife old brown In vain I swore I was a single man but married I longed to be She called me a swindler and kicked me out for the feller that looked like me Oh wouldn't I love to catch him wherever he may be Oh, wouldn't I burst his pumpkin head, that feller that looks like me. Last night I went out dancing, it was just to enjoy the sport. When a policeman took me by the arm, you're wanted down in court. You escaped us once, but this here time we'll see you don't get free. They took me to jail and locked me up for the feller that looked like me. Oh, wouldn't I love to catch him wherever he may be? Oh, wouldn't I burst his pumpkin head, that feller that looks like me? I was tried next day and found guilty and about to be taken down when another policeman, he brought in the right criminal, Mr. Brown. They locked him up, they set me free, he was a sight to see. The ugliest feller I ever saw was the feller that looked like me. Oh, wouldn't I love to catch him 
wherever he may be. Oh, wouldn't I burst his pumpkin head, that feller that looks like me. A new guy has moved into my bathroom mirror. I'm always a little startled whenever I see him because uh, I'm used to the old guy. The old guy had a beard, and he let his hair grow into a ponytail. This guy not only shaves his face, he shaves his head. Plus, he's got this weird snap thing anchored to the side of his skull. You can only see it when he turns his head. It's kind of creepy. I don't feel like I know him well enough to ask him about it. Truth is, I'm having trouble connecting with this guy. He seems nice enough. He's always there every morning, every night. When I smile, he always smiles back. It would be so easy to start a conversation. I know how to do it. Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Want to have a beer sometime? I just can't work up the interest. I always walk away, and then, you know, the next time it's even harder, and pretty soon it's just awkward. I miss the old guy. For one thing, we both loved music, all kinds. We spent hours together listening to CDs, the radio. We both liked to dance. Sometimes we'd cha-cha the chores together, you know, boogie the broom, do-si-do the dishes listening to each other's favorites playlist, checking out the new tunes online. Or we'd play tunes ourselves, classical, jazz, folk. We liked pretty much everything. Other people would come over and we'd make a real party of it, everyone dancing and singing along. The house was alive. It, it throbbed. We smiled a lot. We were actually in a couple of bands together. That was intense. The rehearsals, working out the arrangements, the group dynamics. We went on the road, staying at motels and in other people's living rooms, eating badly, putting miles on the car, and not getting any exercise. We performed in coffee houses, schools, festivals. We even toured out of the country. We met slews of people, recorded CDs, made a ton of friends did stupid stuff, and collected a kajillion stories. Get me started, and I could tell them all night. The time we were playing on a street, and this taxi drove up, and a drunk fell out and offered us $20 to get in the cab. We did. The festival that booked us and put us right next to the helicopter ride pavilion. The supper club where we accidentally crashed a funeral and tried to get people to dance. I could go on and on. We did a lot, the two of us. This new guy, I haven't heard too much music. I, I don't think it's his thing. That old guy, we, we knew each other so many years, we'd really gotten comfortable with each other. I could always tell what he was thinking just by looking at him, and he did the same with me. We, we knew each other's moods. We, we had a real groove going. But he's gone now. Just like that, he... He disappeared. I heard he had a brain tumor, which kind of sucks because I really miss him. I feel kind of sacrilegious coming back in after that, Kevin, which I think is appropriate. We should take off our shoes when we walk on sacred ground and that, folks, is part of what we are getting, and that's what folks will get in attending Kevin McMullen's performance of Into the Black Sea, Stories of Darkness and Light. 
We just heard a spoken word piece from the one-man show, and before that was his performance of the song The Feller That Looks Like Me, though the song is by the Volo Bogtrotters. So you didn't write that song, Kevin, but it tells some portion of your experience of your identity? Well, it tells, I think, the, a story of crisis of identity, in this case, a little different than mine. But it's a way of getting into talking about my identity, which is part of one of the stories that I tell. You know, storytelling is so valuable in terms of trying to make sense internally, externally. When, you, when we put things into words, often we let other people see us and we learn a little bit more about ourselves. Right after we made arrangements for this interview, I was reading my latest copy of Friends Journal, the National Quaker Organization, and what should I turn to? You know, I'm, I'm talking to you, a storyteller, and then I run into this book called The Healing Power of Stories by Michael Bischoff. It's a, actually a, what's called a Pendle Hill pamphlet and he talks about his experience with a very aggressive brain cancer. Now, yours is not cancer. Yours is a tumor. It's non-malignant, which means it's not as greedy as cancers are. So he has his stories that he tells through the book, and I'm I'm so glad to see the review in the March 2019 issue of the Friends Journal. But your performance of Into the Black Sea, Stories of Darkness and Light, you're going to put in printed form as well, right? Yes. And when can we expect that? Uh, This fall. If I'm really good, I'll have it available at the concert. That's my hope. Kevin, I want to thank you for the years of music and joy that you've given me, that smiling guy that you (laughs) saw so much, and for bringing to us here today and through Into the Black Sea the fullness of your being, both the other part of you that was always there and that your willingness to share it and share the fullness of who you are is for me inspirational and i hope it is for our listeners also for spirit and action so thank you so much for your stories and the other music that you've made and for being here today for spirit and action well thank you mark it's been an honor to be here and folks one last time i'll announce it on september 21st Kevin McMullen will be here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin at the UU Church on South Farwell. And at 7 p.m., he'll be performing Into the Black Sea, Stories of Darkness and Light. And if you're accessible to Eau Claire on the 21st, and if you're the first to call or email me saying that you want them, I have two free tickets for the performance. If you're not local for that, it's worth checking kevinmcmullen.com to see when it's on the schedule elsewhere, maybe near you, and seeing it then. Again, the information for this is on nordenspiritradio.org. And again, Kevin, thank you for joining us today. And folks, we'll see you all next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice, with every song. 